Today's scripture comes from Deuteronomy 34, 1 through 12. I know it's a bit of scripture, so I'll read as quickly as my eyes will allow. Amen. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which was opposite Jericho, and the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead as far as Dan and Naphtali, uh, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and the land of Judah as far as the western sea. The, the I messed that one up. And the plain, that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. The Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, and the Lord, at the Lord's command, he was buried in a valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his burial place to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired, uh, and his vigor was not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. Joshua, the son of Nun, full of the spirit of wisdom, because Moses had laid his hands on him, and the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequated for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land for all the mighty deeds and all the uh, terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in the sight of Israel. The word of God for the people of God. Lord, I thank you for this time. Speak to our very hearts as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. You may ask, why did I take the time to read all of that as, as it went through this, this, this period of time where Moses uh, gets to see the promised land but does not get to enter into it? Well, to be quite honest, I read as much scripture as I did because I felt like uh, something needed to be said, but I could not read all of the previous books and we get out in time. You see, as we look at this, this Sunday where we talk about life being a journey, we, we often look at Moses as the one that led uh, the children of Israel out of bondage. We look at Moses in this triumphant way where there has never been another prophet quite like him in Israel. We, we, we look at Moses for all uh, of the things he had to endure in the wilderness with these people, but we often forget the journey of life that brought him to that place. We, we know that Moses was born in a time where the leadership uh, said that all of the children need, that were under two needed to be tossed into the Nile. We, we know that, that his, his family hid him amongst the reeds in, in a floating basket, if you will. We know that he was discovered and, and, and brought into the palace, uh, treated like a, a <clears throat> like excuse me, like a prince, and, and his mother was then hired uh, to take care of him. We know that, that as he got older, he realized that something wasn't quite the same with him and the people that were around him, we know. 
that one day he walks out and he sees his people, which he doesn't realize are his people yet being mistreated, and he kills a man, buries him in the sand, and when he finds that people know about it, he runs and becomes a fugitive of the law. We know that he, he, he ran and he lived outside of the boundaries of those cities for, I believe it was 40 years. We, we know that God appeared to him in the burning bush and said, go, and he said, I can't even speak right. What you sending me for? God says, go. He says, look, I stutter. Uh, you don't have to help me out on this one. We know that God eventually, I mean, that Moses eventually goes. He speaks to Pharaoh. Let, uh, God said, let my people go. And after all of these plagues, we know that he leads them into the uh, uh, wilderness. We know about the Red Sea being parted. We know about manna raining from the sky. We know... Uh, 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 about him uh, taking water from a rock. <laughs> we know that the second time that God called him to pull water from a rock, he said, speak to the rock, but out of anger with the people, Moses struck it. And though God honored, uh, the, uh, honored his word and produced water, it was the thing that the scripture says kept Moses from walking into the promised land, that bit of disobedience. But then we come to the point where Moses is standing and looking at all that God has promised to his forefathers. And the people are watching Moses as he stands and he gazes onto the promised land. And though his eyes are sharp and though his strength is not abated, though he is still very much a strong and healthy individual as according to the scripture, he dies on that mountain and never gets to step foot into the land that is promised. And when he dies, Joshua, one that, that Moses has laid his hands on, takes up the mantle and he walks the children of Israel into the promised land. I believe that we can learn quite a few things from, from this journey of life of Moses. I, I, I believe that, that we can learn a few things from, from all of the details that we sometimes overlook. You see, Moses didn't start in the palace. Moses didn't start uh, a, a baby with a silver spoon in its mouth. Moses started uh, in a household where people were afraid for his life and they, they literally hid him. Moses, by, by all stretch of, uh, of, of imaginations, Moses, by just looking at the facts, should have died before he was ever two years old. But God had a plan. And so I think that in looking at that, we have to realize that we cannot disqualify ourselves based on where we start. We cannot disqualify ourselves from what God has placed in front of us because of what people may have said about us at an early age. We cannot walk away from the giftings and the callings that God has placed on our lives because other people didn't feel like we were worthy of it. We must, we must continue to walk uh, after the Spirit of God, believing that what He has said is yes and amen. What He has promised will come to pass. Promised. But we find in this particular portion of Scripture where it says that Moses was looking out over this land that was promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I believe through this journey of Moses' life, we can find that God is a promise keeper. That God continues not only to, to honor the promises that He gives to us, 
but to honor promises through generations that He has, he has given to our forefathers, to our relatives, to those, those people that, that, that have sown into us. You see, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob weren't there to see the promised land. They weren't there to see uh, the tribes of Israel. They weren't there to see how numerous the people were. But the promise of God uh, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob was still very much true. I, I, I find it interesting. Uh, one, one day I, I, I bought my first new car, and I brought it to Houston so my mom could see it. And she walks up to the car, it was a, a Chevy Impala, and she touches the emblem, and she starts to tear up. And I said, I promised my mom I can pay for it, it's okay. <laughs> and the word she said to me, still ringing my ear, she said, Son, I've prayed for a lot of things. i prayed to see a lot of things. And I wanted a car with an emblem like this. And though I myself have not been able to drive it, God blessed my son with it. And it reminded me of all of the scriptures where God promised to bless the generations and the generations after that and into four generations and how God sometimes makes us promises that our eyes won't see. But we have to have enough faith to believe that the promise is still real, that the promise is still true, and that in due time, in due season, the promises will still come to pass. My God is a promise keeper. I think it's, it's also uh, very important that we, we look at the promises that have been kept throughout the years because it gives us hope for those things that God has shown us that we have not yet seen. It gives us hope for those things that God has promised us that our eyes may never see. It gives us hope in the fact that if God can keep the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to Moses, then God can keep the promises He made to me, to my children and my grandchildren. There are some things from, from this, this life, this journey of life that I believe that we can grab a hold to. Verse 7 says, Moses wasn't sick. It says that Moses was still strong. It says that Moses' eyes were still keen and sharp. It said that uh, it implied that Moses had not lost his wisdom that that was that was uh, uh, that that he was endowed with, but he still died. And to the out, outer look of the onlookers, the people that that didn't know about what God had said, the people that didn't know he wasn't supposed to strike the rock, the fact that he died just doesn't make sense. And to those people that see it and it doesn't make sense, sometimes that can be discouraging with your walk. Sometimes it can be discouraging on what they believe uh, 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 God is trying to say. But, but, but what I'm trying to tell you is some things that you see on this journey called life and this journey called life just don't make sense. Some things just, just won't add up according to the math that you know. If you carry the one and divide it by two, it still doesn't equal what you think it should equal. But what I am telling you is that we still must depend on, we still must trust in, we still must have faith in the true and living God. We, we still must uh, 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 seek after the, 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 the direction of the Holy Spirit. We still must continue to walk as, as ordained by God. Because even though it doesn't make sense, we know that God is still able. And though Moses 
was a murderer. At times he lied. He was a fugitive from the law. He had committed all of his sins. He was, uh, uh, by scripture, by scripture, by law, he was imperfect. The scripture that we read today said, there's not ever been another prophet in Israel quite like Moses. And I want to let you know today that as imperfect as you might feel, as imperfect as your life may have been, as even though you have made mistakes and committed all manner of sins, if God can take an imperfect Moses and perfect him into what he has called him to be, if God can take a sinful Moses and forgive him and allow him to walk in his power and in his might, if God can take a Moses that was a fugitive and a murderer and save a whole group of people, what can he do with you? Do not let the enemy convince you that because you did and because you said and because you missed and because you didn't have that you can't be. What is God saying to you? In Moses' life, <laughs> I'm reminded of Langston Hughes. He, he might say, life for me ain't been no crystal stair. It's had splinters and tacks in it. It, it. it hasn't been easy. There's been some people that have, have messed with me. There's some people that have caused me to be angry. There, there are some things that I shouldn't have done and some places I shouldn't have gone. But God. And if we, on our journey of life, can adapt that philosophy, that yes, there were some things that I did that weren't right. Yes, there's some places that I shouldn't have gone. Yes, there, there's some things that I didn't have that I should have. But God. That is what the journey is about. It's not about living a life that is absolutely perfect without any imperfections. Because as we all know, God has a way of using those imperfections to help others. It is about doing our very best to walk this life out as God has ordained. Believing that even if we mess up, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It is about going after uh, the people that God has placed in our lives and trying our very best to show them something that makes them want to run to the throne room of grace. It is about living a life unto God with every breath that we have and every step that we take. The scripture ends with Moses dying and Joshua taking up the mantle. And this is the part of, of, of it all that, that, that I, I really enjoy, that I really like, that, that, I, that I really can see. And, and it is the fact that sometimes the, the details of our life are to set up the next generation as they walk into the fullness of theirs. And so if Joshua had not seen Moses, he wouldn't know how to lead. If Joshua had not walked with Moses, he wouldn't know how to call on the Lord. If Joshua had not been with Moses all of those years when God called Moses home, the people would not have uh, the leadership that they need. But Moses' life was a setup for Joshua. 
So as we live our lives on a day-to-day basis, as we live our lives months and years after months and years, what we have to also realize is somebody is watching us, somebody needs us, and if our lives are lived the way that God has called us to live, we are setting someone else up to walk in the fullness of what God has for them and that day and time that God ordains that we may or may not understand. So live your life. To the fullest. Holy and acceptable. I have to add that after to the fullest. Holy and acceptable as unto God. Madam C.J. Walker, one of the first, if not the first black millionaire, started the daughter of freed slaves in poverty. She, she, she worked as a house cleaner as most uh, uh, black women did during that time. And, and, and she made her million selling a cosmetic that she created. She learned from the people in the church how to market it and how to build community versus build for herself. And so when she died, not only was she a millionaire, but she had trained thousands of, of women of how to not only sell her product, but to sell their products and to be successful Because her thought process was not just for her, it was for the community. So people of God, as we look at the journey of life that we are endeavoring, I I want you to remember, don't disqualify yourself because of where you started. I I want you to remember that, 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 that every step that you take should have some purpose and some meaning. I want you to remember that God is a promise-keeping God. I I want you to remember that, that, that our God does not slumber nor sleep. And I I want you to remember that, that there is no depth nor height nor width nor anything that can separate you from the love of Christ. I, I want you to remember that He has promised that every step that we take, He will be with us. I want you to remember that this journey you don't walk alone, that this journey already has everything that you need attached to it, I want you to remember that if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness, all this stuff is already in place. I want you to remember that if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, that God said he would hear from heaven and he would uh, forgive our sins and clean our, clean our land. I, I want you to remember that, that, that God said, uh, Jesus said, I will be with you always until the end of the earth. I want you to remember, as we learned in our children's moment this morning, that the book that we carry has power. The book that we carry gives life. That if every word, we're going to have to switch these hymnals and Bibles up. (laughs) If every word of this book is indeed true, then it is enough for us to live our journey on. People of God, I'm excited about my journey. I'm excited about your journey. And I'm excited to see all that God will do in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.